nobody ain't got to convince me of what I do. I do what I do because I do what I do because I'm built from something. And man didn't create it. Welcome to the hottest podcast in the Central Valley, Home Team Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Home Team Podcast. I am your host, Coach Z. Today's guest has been two years in the making, and we finally have him on the show today, and I hope he's ready. He's none other than Kerman's own, Dale Hawkins. Dale, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bobby. It has been a long time, and I still don't know if I'm ready, but we're going to give it a go. I think you'll do fine. Yep. Now, for, for most of the people in this community that feel that they know you, uh, tonight's episode is for you to let them in just a little bit. Okay. Now, they'll hear a little bit, but they won't hear the stories that we have, so right. they'll have to be, they'll have to be uh, satisfied with that. I got you. So, Dale, tell me a little bit about your upbringing in the early days. Man, simple life. I'm from Tracy. Susan and Lindell are my parents. Nicole's my sister. Uh, raised in a small town in Tracy, California. Um, you know... Been around football my whole life. My dad was a coach. Um, yeah, just a simple life, man. Tracy, California is where I'm from. Proud of it. Now tell me, was sports, athletics, uh, was that early on in your life? Or was it all academics? And at what age did sports kick in for you? You know, uh, sports for my sister was at a young age because she was into gymnastics. My dad never allowed me to play football until I was in seventh grade. He, uh, he had a big belief that, um, you know, he didn't want to put wear and tear on my body as a youngster. And I was always so hungry to play. And I was a ball boy since I was, since I can remember, probably five years old. And so I always wanted to play. And all my friends at school would be on the team and wearing jerseys. I'd be like, Dad, come on, man, I'm, I'm ready to play. And he'd be like, no, when you get in seventh grade, it'll be your time. And and so I really didn't start playing football till seventh grade. And in middle school is kind of when I started playing uh, basketball as well. And then it wasn't until high school when I started doing track and field, throwing the disc and the shot put. So did you excel early on in sports or was it something that you had to pick up and get good at? Nah, I always had passion and, and love for, for games, but I, I was never like dominant. I was never the best on the field um, through like my elementary years or middle school years, even high school years for that matter. I really wasn't a dominant force. I, I was just somebody that had love for the game. And as time went on, I just kept working and working and working to try to, 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 try to become as good as I could, you know. So when you got into high school, you mentioned that your dad was a coach. Was he coaching you in high school? And how was that? Yeah, so he, my dad had coached high school for many, many years. I mean, that's why I was a ball boy since I was, since I was four or five years old in the 80s. And uh, so he did coach when I was at the high school level. But when I was younger and Pop Warner, um, you know, in middle, when I was in middle school, he never coached my teams and he really wasn't involved too much. I really didn't get coached by him until I got to high school. And I remember him uh, telling me one time because, you know, my sister did gymnastics and she did these other sports and we would go to all of her events. But my dad, during my football time, he wasn't really there. And I remember one time he said, hey, man, you know, it's, it's, it's not a lack of love. It's when you get to high school and I get a chance to be around you and coach you, I'll, you know, I'll be able to spend a lot more time with you. And I, re I remember that. And then when I got to high school, we were able to spend a lot more time together as coach and son. But when he was coaching high school and I was a little boy, I was still 
close to him because I was the ball boy on all those teams. Does that yeah. make sense? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Now, talk about you. Uh, so you played at Tracy High School, and I, I hear they have uh, this coach that coached over there that was uh, Schneider. pretty good. Yeah, he was good, man. He was legendary. Um, you know, I believe he's in the California and, and, and the U.S. Hall of Fame for high school coaches. Um, and I'm most fascinated with Schneider because Schneider did what he did. And I don't know the exact record, but it's like 259. I'm going to say 45 and one or something like that. I mean, he, he did it. His record was outstanding. But to me, what was more outstanding about him was if you were born and raised in Tracy, you know, not very many guys went on to the next level. And so he was doing this with this magic that he built within the community to build this football program that was bigger than life and to get these young men and families on board to do bigger and better things than they were probably capable of because Tracy was playing all the Stockton schools, Lincoln, St. Mary's, you know. Um, and so, you know, it was amazing as a ball boy to see the success and the magic that they had in the 80s and the 90s. And when my dad had gotten on with him in the late 80s. My dad wasn't a part of the whole thing, nor was I, but he was awarded for winning 100 games in a decade, and it was very rare for a public school to win 100 games in a decade, and so that was Schneider, man. I mean, he was legendary. Mm, interesting. That's a feat, no doubt. <clears throat> so what was the hardest part about playing in that program? Well, did, you, did you struggle with the... What did you struggle with? Did you struggle with the... Um, um, the physical part of it, the mental part of it, or did it come easy for you? Well, I think I struggled physically because I was short and real chunky and slow, and, you know, I didn't have really a lot of God-given ability, and mentally I struggled because I was a ball boy for so long that, you know, Tracy High School was known for their belly option. So in elementary school, me being a ball boy, I always had the ball in my hand. I knew how to flick that ball, so I go to my junior year, I'm a chunky kid, probably 240 pounds as a freshman, young freshman, and I'm flicking the ball and the, and the freshman coach says, hey, you're gonna play quarterback. And to most kids, that's a dream come true. But for me, I always wanted to play college football and I knew for sure I wasn't gonna be a quarterback in college, so I never wanted to play quarterback. So there was mental stress too, because with my dad in the program, you would think, oh, they put him at quarterback because his dad's there. But little did the town of Tracy know, I'd go home every day like, Dad, I don't want to play quarterback. And my dad would always tell me the same thing, even when I went on to Fresno State and had my struggles. Do you love the game? My answer was always yes. And he would say, well, then you get up the next day and be a better version of yourself. And that was his lesson he always taught me. So I did deal with it physically because I wasn't the best athlete. And then mentally, I was playing a position I didn't want to play. But I learned through all of that that you, you have to get up and get physically better if there's something you want to do. And the mental part of it, you're going to do what your coach says. You're going to do it to the best of your ability. And those are life lessons that I learned that I've carried on to this day. What was your most memorable moment on and off the field? In high school, specifically? Yeah, in high school. Um, you know, that's a tough question, man. Um, off, off the field... I would say the academic part, because when I was young, I struggled in school. I used to have to get taken out to be with a reading teacher or, or this and that. And 
you know, kids are mean. And when I was young, kids would, ah, you got to go with the speech teacher or, or this and that. And I struggled in school big time. So I think off of the field, me being able to finish high school with enough grades and a high enough test score to test into a college to go to, I believe that that was my biggest feat because I know when I was younger, uh, that wasn't the outlook by everybody else that I was going, my peers, you know what I mean? And, the, and on the field, it, it was probably my senior year when I finally came into my body and I, and I finally started getting a little bit more strength. Um, I was able to do a little bit more things on the field and I finally was able to go to that fullback position that I believed I should have been playing the previous three years. And it started to showcase that maybe there's a chance that I could play at a higher level at a position. And so my feet would be my senior year um, playing fullback um, and being able to get a chance to hopefully play at the next level. And when it was over, were you ready for the next chapter? You think you you think you are, but you never are. I remember. Uh, let me give you a funny story, Bobby. My, <laughs> we're we're playing middle of the season, and and I'm playing fullback, and I'm kind of trucking kids in high school. And I remember telling my dad, I said, Dad, I don't believe there's a kid in America that could tackle me one on one. You know, I'm feeling myself. And my dad simply looked at me and said, Son, you're gonna meet your match one day, right? So you fast forward, I go to Fresno State as a walk-on, and uh, the first play that I get with the very minimal reps that I got as a walk-on, I had to go 38 stretch, and I had to get out to the outside linebacker. At the time, this outside linebacker's name was Chino Cheramani. Now, I'm 17 years old. Chino Cheramani's a grown man, and he, and he put me on my back pretty easily when I went to block him, and I'll never forget, I ran back to the dorm, I called my dad and I said, hey, dad, I found him. <laughs> I found that guy. You know, so no, the, the, you think you're ready until you get there and you find out you're nowhere near ready. And then it comes down to the mental fortitude uh, to get ready if you want to stay there. Yep. Uh, what class were you in? Who are you? Who are some of your teammates on that Fresno State team? So coming in on the Fresno State team, you had uh, freshmen was like Mont. Uh, Davis, uh, gosh dang it, I feel bad. Um, Rodney? No, uh, his Mark older brother. Marque Davis. Rodney came later. You had Bernard Barian. You had D. Meza. You had uh, my man that made the punt. The punt rule. Kendall Edwards. Remember oh, the yeah. Oregon game? Um, yeah, we had some really good players, man, in that class that I went into as a walk-on. Uh, phenomenal players that I got a chance to play with, man. And... Uh, so you went in as a fullback and you ended up as what? I ended up as a D lineman, man. So I went, I went in day one and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get there and I'm going to have about two weeks to a month to get acclimated. Now I knew I was 290 pounds, but they probably thought I was 255. So the story is, I, they went, you know, they, they kind of noticed me from an all-star game I played in as a fullback. Right, and so they were like, "Oh, he has good feet for a big guy, this and that." But I think they thought I was 250. So I go in there day one, thinking I got time to drop weight and this and that. Well, day one, I get in there. My parents drop me off. I go to the locker room. They're like, "No, nah, we're, we're gonna do like, you know, you're gonna get your your weight, your, your your measurements, all that." And I get in there, and I was 287. So it wasn't a good first look at all. And um, you know. Uh, 
The frustrating part is, is after that point, I did everything in my power to become what, what a fullback needed to be. So I needed to get down to 250. So here comes the season, and then you know, once the season's over, spring came, and still battling the weight, trying to get it down. Then summer came, and now I'm 250. I get back to camp 250. I come back from uh, visiting my parents. They were living in Stockton at the time. And I was number 47. When I get back into the locker room, my number 69. And I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? And they, they're like, hey, you're moving to D-line. So I went and talked to my position coach. Like, hey, coach, I got down to 250 and try to give them my spiel. At the end of the day, at that level, they make a decision. They're going to make a decision. You know what I mean? And so... That's how I ended up moving to D-line, man. They moved me to D-line, and, and um, it was heartbreaking at the time. I remember calling my dad saying they moved me, and literally my dad's response was, do you love the game? I said, yeah. He said, well, then get up tomorrow and be a better version of yourself. And that's what I did every day, man. Words to live by. <clears throat> now, that was, that was early on, so when did you feel like you turned that corner and you started to have success, and you felt like, okay, I can do this. Um, the SMU game, my redshirt freshman year, two D linemen that were starters came late to a to a meeting at the Piccadilly Inn, and um, in the locker room before the game, because of that, I was told by my position coach, you know, you better. Uh, you better make sure that you want what you wish for, you know. And I'm like, huh, what are you talking about? He says, hey, you're going to start. And I said, I'm starting? Yeah, you're starting. Cool. And literally the, the first two plays I made in SMU, and from that point on, I, uh, I believe I, I was able to, to develop a little bit of a reputation within the group that I can help this group. And it wasn't that I was a starter from that point on, but from that point on, I was looked at as a role guy. Even though it was deep on the bench, I was still known, you know, Coach Locke would use me as a role guy, even my red shirt freshman year, and I was still a walk-on at the time. So that's kind of when it turned around for me at Fresno State. Now talk a little bit about some of the big games you guys were in. Oh, man. Um, early on, and these are games that some of these games like I didn't even have a big role in because I was still, you know, young and, and, and trying to grow. But, I mean, when we went to Colorado, which is my dad's alumni, uh, we ended up beating them, and then they won the Big 12 that year. They beat Nebraska that year. I believe that year we also knocked off Wisconsin and Oregon State, and that was the year that Oregon State came to Fresno, and I believe they had them, like, unconsistent number one and that's the game where they took the goalpost down and everything. I didn't really have many reps in that game, but I'm, I'm very proud that I was a part of any scout team that I was a part of that week. Like, that's what team is, and a lot of coaches, I shouldn't say coaches, but players and parents don't appreciate, man. I take pride in that, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a major part of every program. Um, and then as you when you became a senior, how was that year? It was good, man. It was. Uh, I just wanted to finish as strong that I as strongly as I could. Um, I never really realized. 
you know, kind of that I made it. In my mind, the way I worked every day, it wasn't like I got something and then just was like slept on it. I was okay with it. So my senior year came and I was grinding as hard as I could, um, just like I was when I was that red shirt, you know, uh, walk on. And so when the senior year came, it was just trying to finish as strongly as, as I could and do as much as I could for, for our unit and not let any of my teammates down in any scenario that I, that I was in, in games or in practice. Now, you come to the end of your college career. What, what, was, what were your thoughts or what were your uh, aspirations of, of, you know, what was next for you? Well, I mean, immediately I think any football player is saying, I'm going to go to the league. And then when, you know, pro day happens and you don't get any conversations from any teams and you don't have a an agent like a lot of these other big time players have, you know, my my mindset went to what am, what am I going to do next? And immediately... I thought, okay, I want to make sure that I get my credential because I have my 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 degree in philosophy and a minor in psychology. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to make sure that I I go get my credentials because I, I know I want to coach and teach. If football is not going to be a part of my my uh, way of making a living, and so that's what I did. I applied for uh, uh, a college to get my my master's and my multiple subject credential. It was a dual program. And in the midst of all doing all that, I had gotten a call from Efren and Efren Gazars uh, from Kerman. And at the time, I was seeing a, uh, a girl from out there. And Efren asked asked me if I would be a part of helping him. That, that girl eventually became his wife. Yeah, 17 years now, man. Um, yeah, so so literally, Efren calls me and asks if if I would be willing to help with the O-line and D-line. And at the time, I always thought I would go back to Tracy and coach with my dad. Well, talking with my dad at the time, he was getting ready to move on into administration and stuff, so he wasn't sure how much longer that he was going to coach. And when Efren called me, it kind of struck a nerve. So when I I got on to Fresno State, at Fresno State, um, we were given a tape of a guy that was a walk-on. All of us walk-ons that were there got a tape of a guy that was a walk-on and explained his story. And so it's kind of crazy, you know, I'm watching this tape every morning. I get home, I'm watching this tape of this guy. He's a walk-on, little guy, maybe uh, limited with certain dimensions, but hard worker, the epitome of what Bulldog football was about. And I thought to myself, man, I could be this guy. I, I can work my butt off and try to do the same things that he did, earn a scholarship and help this team win. And so you fast forward, it was Efren State, and you fast forward and I end up going, coming to Kerman at La Ramada and I meet him face to face. I'm like, that's crazy, right? This is this dude that I was watching. He doesn't know I was watching him, but I was watching him. It had an impact on me and my growth when I was going through what I was going through. And so when he asked me to come out and help him, I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to come out and help, man. We, we're going we're gonna to try to do this thing big. And to this day, I've never told him that story. So if he listens to this, he'll hear it for the first time. And um, yeah, so I ended up coming out to Kerman and coaching and... After my first year coaching here, I get a call from San Jose Sabercast. Now, at this time, I done blew up a little bit. I was about 330 pounds and uh, get an opportunity to go to San Jose Sabercats as a two-a-day waiver guy, get out there, make the practice squad for the rest of the year. And then at the end of the year, obviously, we're done. 
went back to uh, San Jose for camp the following year, offered the practice squad opportunity again. In my mind, I thought, man, you guys are so good and nobody knows me. I'm going to go to Arena 2, try to get my name out there. Go to Stockton for two years, then end up getting a contract for Grand Rapids, and that's when I called it. I was done. About 27 years old, and I was done. So that was my run as a player after after playing, and then uh, after playing college. And then in the meantime, I did get my master's in education, and I did get my my multiple subject credential as well, and my special ed credential. Yeah. So, <clears throat> how many years are you coaching, Kerman? Seven, if I'm not mistaken. And were those the building blocks for years to come? What 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 did you feel you learned some valuable stuff when you first came out? So we're talking about we're talking about a high level college player playing in some of probably probably the most memorable seasons that Fresno State's had in a long time. Playing with some of the biggest names that Fresno State's had in a long time. And then you went through your pro day. And it didn't work out, right? So now you've gone through all this. It seems like it was a bunch of highs and lows. So that had to have been a low mentally anyways, you know. Then you you get asked by somebody that you looked up to. You know, you heard the story, you know, motivate kind of the Rocky story, you know. And um, and so what? just what... What did it take for you to stay even keel or, 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 or to keep grinding on the same path that, look, I'm on the, I'm on the right path. I'm going where I'm, I'm needed to be. You know, what made you not say, you know what, forget it. You know, it just didn't work out for me. Why didn't you quit? As far as uh, helping others and coaching? Yeah, just yeah, yeah. your dream didn't come true. You know what I mean? The right. NFL didn't come. Right. Why did you even give any of this other stuff uh, an opportunity? Because although NFL was a dream, just like anything else, I believe that we have to maximize ourselves as humans on this planet. And so, okay, that's something that I dreamed about. That would have been awesome to have achieved. But can I look myself in the mirror and say, I've done everything that I can to maximize my human potential? And I don't think anybody could look in the mirror and say they have. I mean, there's always ways that we could have done a little bit better. But when I look at my path and what I did, I, I think I've achieved a lot more uh, for the amount of ability that I had um, uh, than a lot of people. So when I found myself kind of done playing the game and jumping into an arena where I'm going to start helping kids, I wanted to I wanted to try to maximize and help every kid reach their full potential and kind of give them with what Coach Sal gave me, what Coach Locke gave me, what Coach Pat Hill gave me. These guys, you know, they, they gave me the opportunity to maximize my ability. And they taught me different, uh, they, they, used every, they exhausted every resource to try to help me to the best of their ability for me to become the best player and human being that I can become. And so when my day was done playing, it was time for me to give back. And not only just on the football field, man, but as a teacher in the classroom with any young person that's trying to grow in this world and is trying to help them become and maximize their full potential. And that is my mission in life every day, man, no matter who I'm working with, Bob. So it's it, safe to say that you had plenty of role models on your journey. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and those three were, were three of the many that you had? 
Oh, th- those are three of them. Those are three of them. But I've had many, many. You know what's funny, Bob? I have I have too many because there are people that have influenced me in a negative way that I look at role models because I learned not to do it that way. You know, so I try to learn from any and everything on this planet. And and so, yeah, I mean, there, there's been so many influences on my life. And I and I try to mold it as good as I can to help the next person. What keeps you grounded? Remembering where I came from. Because from someone looking at your story, you know, I've always thought, like, man, Dell, you know, you went on, played at Fresno State, you know, you did what you did. I've always seen you as a success story. So, and that's the perception I feel that a lot of people have, you know, and 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 well deserved, right? But sometimes you yourself think, man, I, I undershot. You know what I mean? I, I, but I know the perception around around, you know, the community is, um, you know, you made it. You're somebody, somebody that, no matter how much success you've had, you never let or let you never let anybody see or hear the hardships that are behind all that success. And uh, so one would think, man, he, you know, he he was in the glory days of Fresno State, you know, um, and he's a he's just a well-grounded guy. Like he's a humble, humble man. You know, he's he's he just wants to serve others. He wants to teach others, you know, and and um, that that's got to that's got to be some ingrained in you. Right. Since little. Yeah, I think my dad and my mom always instilled in us that that you remember where you came from. And, you know, I mean, it's deep-rooted, and it's one of those things when you start talking on these platforms, people can start having too many perceptions of what you're saying. You know, oh, my God, I feel sorry for that. There ain't nobody going to feel sorry for nobody. You're not going to get anything you want feeling sorry for yourself. But the bottom line is, is you know, growing, growing up in Tracy, biracial the way my parents were, the way things went down, I'm not mad at anybody. But the realization is life's always not going to be what you want it to be. But if you have a strong foundation, you have those around you that love you, you get up and work hard every day to become the best person that you can be. That's all I know. So when it, when you start hearing about hype and this and that, I don't buy all that stuff, man. Yeah. That's all garbage stuff. You know what I mean? People have real problems, and and is, and the people that fascinate me the most are the ones that go through the most and succeed at the end. Those are the people that drive me. So so here's the thing: no matter what I've been through, and I don't have any pity patty stories. I don't want to tell them. The bottom line is, anytime I've ever been in a crazy situation, a bad situation where I think the world's against me, I ask myself two questions: Has anybody else ever been in my situation or worse? And 100% of the time, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, there's been somebody. And then out of those people, have any of those people found success? And if the answer is yes, which is always yes in my mind, what makes those people better than me? So I have no rock to cry on. I'm going to get up and be a better human being tomorrow. I'm not going to let anything that this world can bring, you know, to me, bring me down. And so with all of that, that is why I stay humble as well. If I have a lot of success, I don't start looking at anybody else like they don't have it. Maybe it's just not their time yet. Maybe they just haven't gotten their success yet. But that's what keeps me grounded, man. You know? 
Well, that and going back to the the young lady that you were dating, that became your wife. Yeah. Um, how did you guys meet in college? And 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 she was a roommate. We was friends for years. We were just friends, and it wasn't until really after we graduated college um, that it became kind of a thing. You know, we took her back home and met the family. And I mean, man, you know, we've been together ever since. And uh, three children um, since then. We've been married 17 years and got a 16-year-old, a 12-year-old, and an 8-year-old. And, you know, life is good. Life is good, man. I can't complain. That's good. That's good. So it's safe to say that your kids are probably getting a similar upbringing to what you were taught by your dad. Or your parents, both your mom and dad? I mean, with my, my kids, it's, it's, you know, sometimes I feel bad for them because I know there's a lot of parents out there that are like, you know, my kid's the best at all times. And, and I get that. Part of me is like, maybe I'm wrong for not doing that, but I don't do that to my kids. If my kids are really good, keep working hard. And there's somebody somewhere, Florida, somebody better than you. So don't get full of yourself. And if my kids are struggling, I tell them to get up and get better. If this is something you want to do, just get up and get better. You know, be the best version of yourself you can be. I don't get tied up into, you know, comparing yourself to your teammates. You need to be a good teammate, but you don't compare yourself to your teammate. You compare yourself to yourself. And every day you become a better version of yourself to give your team, if it's sports, the best opportunity to help that team become more successful. So that, and that's how my dad and my mom were with me. And that's very much how I am with my kids, you know? Well, and that that's a great point. So to those listeners out here, if you're a parent and you've got a kid coming through some program, always be honest and tell the truth to them. Never never lead them to believe that there's something that that they're not at that moment. Would you agree? I agree with that, man. But I'm but I'm also not here to tell anybody else how to parent. I'm just telling you my life story, how I raised my kids, how I was raised, and also coaching at the junior college level for a long time, um, seeing the other side of that. You know, guys that had all, you know, so many, so many guys with a lot of talent for whatever reason end up there. And at some point in everyone's life, you're going to meet your match. So be humble at all times. And speaking about Fresno City College, how many years have you been there now? This is 13, 13 years this year. Did you ever see yourself being a coach there? No. I never thought I'd ever be at Fresno City College. I never thought I'd be a college coach. I always thought I'd be a high school head football coach, um, following kind of in the footsteps of my dad. And it, it, my life just took a turn, you know, and, I, and I've been there for years, and I don't know what's to come. We'll see. How, uh, how have those years been? I know it's a very successful program. You got some great coaches over there. Um, how is the competitiveness and the uh, the the pressure to keep the the winning going? You know, it, it's it's an awesome job, man. You get the best of both worlds. Um, you get to recruit kids out of high school to try to fit your your systems, and then and then you also. You know, and that's what D1s do, right? D1s get to recruit. So in junior college, you get that. And then also you get the opportunity for your kids that are getting ready to leave to get recruited. So you get the best, you're kind of in the middle. You know, you get to pull them in and you get to help push them out. And at Fresno City College, I mean, years before I got there, they've had a lot of success there. So when I got there, I mean, I came into a program that had a lot of success. Um, and I just do my part, man. I come, I come in, I do the defensive line. 
uh, did some track for about six years as well. And the biggest thing that I love about that job is, is you're getting these young individuals for some reason they came to you. And it could be that they either wasn't, they weren't recruited or they were very highly recruited, but maybe there was something missing like grades or they got kicked out of school. For whatever reason, they fall to that level. And I take pride in being a coach that for whatever reason you came here, I'm gonna try to help fix whatever deficiency you may have. And then I love to see the light bulb moment, the beauty in in what we, you know, I, I'm able to do at Fresno City is when I see them be able to to go on and 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 move past bigger and better places than Fresno City and we've had a lot of success with that in the last 13 years sending people on so in a nutshell tell me who Dell Hawkins is as a coach man that's a tough one I I'm I'm a coach that's going to demand a lot and I, and I have a lot of passion my biggest thing is is bringing out the best in who who you are and I know a lot of times coaches jump to this physical. Everybody's got to be physical. I get that. But I think there's so much more to the mind that I talk about than than um, I think a lot of other coaches take for granted. And and I'm, I'm big on making sure that they understand the game within the game when it comes to the game. And then making sure that they understand how all of these lessons become parallels to life lessons. And I'm just big on that. You know, at first when I get groups, they'll kind of laugh like, oh my God, he's kind of mushy or he's this or that. But as they get to know me, they understand that I'm I'm not really playing. It's not a game. I'm being real with the things that I'm saying. And when you become a, a father, when you become a husband, these very lessons that you're learning with adversity and everything else that you're going through, these things are going to come full circle if you pay attention, right? So I'm big on those kind of things, Bobby. So you're a big believer that that who you are as a coach and what you teach and preach as a coach mirrors who you are as a person in life? I believe that. I believe that. So they get two and one. That's great for those kids. They're lucky to have you. I hope so. So now, now what do you do? So now you've hit your off season, right? You guys just got done with the season. Um, Obviously, if you're not playing for a championship, it doesn't end the way you want. Right. So you guys had a successful season, had some great kids over there. So now in the off season, what's the off season for you? Well, I mean, we'll start meeting as coaches and, and go over the recruiting board that we have. We have to start recruiting the kids, probably get out to some high schools, talk to the kids, the coaches. We want to know. Me personally, you ask me personally. Me personally, I wanna, I wanna talk to counselors, teachers, parents. I want, I don't just want the body. I want to know who the kid is. I, I want I want to bring in kids that 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 want to be a part of something that's going to teach them more than this simple game of football. All right. So anyway, as a staff, though, that's what we're doing right now. We're out recruiting in a couple of months. We'll end up having an orientation where we bring in a group of kids that we have on a list and bring them in with their parents, show them kind of how Fresno City's academics works, get them with a counselor, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll end up, you know, we'll have spring ball coming around, more shirts and shorts and, you know, get running around basic fundamental stuff leading into summer, which is camp and back to the grind. It goes fast. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your day look like right now as as Dale Hawkins, the teacher? Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful because I, I go and I still put in. My job is in Kerman, so I'm going to go in and put my fool's day's 
working, but instead of having to go to Fresno City every day, man, I get to go home and hang out with my family. And, you know, I get to spend a lot more quality time with them um, because I miss out on a lot of that with the busyness of, you know, coaching over at Fresno City College. And that's not a complaint at all. I have a very supportive family, but literally... I'm not used to being home at 4.30. Like, that's it's kind of crazy to me, but it's really nice. Today was really nice, you know? That's 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 why you're on the podcast today. Yeah, I know. You grabbed me. <laughs> so, what is... You know, a lot of people still say they expect you to see... They expect to see you as a head coach one day, Right. So let's just, you know, for giggles, let's say you're a head coach of a program, right? What does what does game one look like for you? Game one looks like in a perfect world. In a perfect world. And we won't even get to football. Game one is gonna look like a group of young men and coaches that are together, bonded as one, with a brotherhood with one fear. And that fear is don't let anybody else down. And that's the ultimate goal for me if I was to ever be a leader of a program. If I could ever get it to that point, forget the wins and losses. Those will come. You get to that point, man, that, that's big That's big in life. I have, two, I have a, a daughter and, and two sons. If I can get them to understand that type of mentality, you know, when you have a family, making sure that you're accountable and never letting anyone down around you, doing everything that you can to be the best you can be to help anybody else around you, you get a you get an environment like that, sky's the limit, man. Yeah. And it's contagious. Yeah. I've seen your work firsthand. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. And the, the, the day a school, a program that you decide to go to and become a head coach, they, you're gonna turn that, you're gonna turn that school, that's that staff, that those kids upside down with stuff that they've never, never even seen or thought of before. Appreciate that, man. So let's get into some little fun stuff. Now. Okay. So what's your favorite food? Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> Like food that talks Spanish or just Nah, just just wrap it up in a flour tortilla. Anything. I mean What's your favorite music? Um, I'm I'm well versed, man. I, I literally love all music. The, the only thing that I'll really give you is if you want to know my number one, it's gonna be Bone Thugs and Harmony, because that's that's still my number one since like eighth grade year. But I mean I listen to all musics. All so I'm not familiar with them. Can you sing a little thing? Bone Thugs, I I really can't, but I'd be crossroads. They got first of the month was kind of a corny song, but that was a big one. You know what I mean? You know who they are. What's your favorite movie? Oh man, I, I can't narrow it down to one, but I, I'll tell you any any movie that has a strong inspirational feel to it, I'm all about. Favorite quote? Yeah, I'll quote my daddy: "The ability to adjust is everything." What's your the top three sports figures who impacted you throughout your life from little to now? Interest, it's interesting, man. That's, that's tough. Um, I'd say, um, <laughs> when I say them, you'll be like, huh? Sterling Sharp, Terrell Davis, 
Ray Lewis. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. I know it is. And all I can tell you is, at certain times, those were just my favorite figures. Man. Yeah. Yep. I always thought Sterling Sharp was one of the best. His, his career got cut short. Yeah, it did. No, I agree. He was. He was. He was so good. What a uh, favorite favorite team in the NFL? Broncos. I know they're terrible right now. I can't talk about the trade. I don't. That's just my team, man. I just watch them. Uh, your favorite sport? Is it football? Yeah, it's football. I've always loved basketball. Never was really good at playing it, but I but I love watching basketball as well. Any favorite team? Warriors, but I'm not saying it because of what they are now. I'm talking Molin and Hardaway days. You know what I mean? When they were even when they were terrible for all those years, I was always a fan. Yeah, those were the times. Baseball team? A's. The Oakland A's. Hey, I got to grow up watching the A's, Bob. That they had. Uh, Conseco, McGuire, uh, Dave Henderson, mm-hmm. Ricky Henderson. I mean, they had it. They, they were loaded back then. Yeah. In like the early '90s, late '80s, they were good, man. Who, who, who else? Uh, I remember you telling me a story about someone else that lives in Tracy that's fairly popular. MC Hammer. Yeah, there you <laughs> yeah, go. He moved there probably when I was senior in high school or moving out. I think he's, I don't know if he is, but I think he's still out there out in the country, yeah. Did he have kids going to school when you were there? Uh, Not when I was there, but my dad, I want to say, my dad was an administrator at Tracy for years, and I want to say, like, the nephews and stuff went through Tracy High School. Yeah. I think they played, I think one of the nephews played with my nephew as well. Yeah. So, so let's just, uh, I know all the talk from back in the day and all the all the all the you know talking trash but is is Tracy in the Bay Area? Nah. We're not. And if you tell anybody in the Bay Area they get mad at you for saying that. We're like the first town from the hill. You know what I mean? So nah, we're not in the Bay. So if they're from Tracy, you know it's from Tracy and they say they're from the Bay. Nah, I mean I, I don't say it because especially talking to somebody from the Bay, because they're gonna be they'll probably correct you. You know what I mean? All right, let's move on. Let's get to a word game association. I'll say a word, and you tell me what first thing that pops into your head. I promise I'll mess this up. Let's go. (laughs) Tracy High School. Memorable. Fresno State. Um, Just one word? It'd be a couple. Grew up. Herman. Place for my family. <laughs> That's what it is, you know. Who are the three most? Who are the three most impactful mentors that you can you can say probably affected you the most? Positive. Yeah, my mom and my dad. You gonna count those as one? Or count them? Okay, let's say that's one. All right, so my mom and my dad, I definitely say my wife. Boy, a lot of growing up, once you get married, you think you know everything until you get married, you start figuring out it's not about you no more. Right? Definitely not. I got a lot of mentors, man. I'll give you a little love, Bob. You was one of my mentors, man. When I, when I came out here at 22 years old and you was raising a young family, I'll give you that. 
Nah, that's... No, no, no. Can I get that or no? I don't have to. I, I mean, you, you I mean, can. But I'm just being honest. I mean, I know this is your podcast and everything, but literally, I was 22 years old and having a, you know, getting ready to have a young family and, and you were somebody I was really close with because we had coached for a couple of years already at that time. And not only were we on the field, but I mean, we were at your house. I was able to see how you functioned with your young kids. And, uh, you know, your household was intact, the way you and Pat reacted to situations, you know what I mean? And, and so being 22 without kids at that time, getting ready to get married, then having kids, it wasn't even about football necessarily. It was about becoming a man and a husband and a father. And so there were a lot of, a lot of lessons that I learned from you too, man. I appreciate it. It means a lot. But thank you. So before we wrap it up, you sure you don't want to go back to that Bone Thug song and uh, let nah, us know? I can't, I can't sing, Bobby. No? I can't. Nah. You can sing a little bit. Nah, I have Rob do it. I can't sing. I thought you were going to say that your favorite song was, and you always sing it. Which one? You always sing it. Oh, shit. Give it to me. You always sing it. I probably haven't sang it in a couple of years. Amazing Grace? Oh, hell yeah. I I put all my kids to sleep for years with that song. And I can't sing either. I thought thought you were going to say that was your your, favorite. Yeah, I mean, I'm being honest. Like, that was my go-to when my kids was crying when they was little. And, And you know what's funny? When my kids got older... They realize how bad I sung, so I had to start humming it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can hum better than I sing, so. So what, what's in your immediate future? Are you chasing anything down? Are you good where you're at? Are you waiting for something to, to come in, fall on your lap? As far as coaching, teaching? No, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I think that in this crazy world of everybody competing to whatever top they feel gives them the status. Here's where I'm at. I'm open to anything and everything. I'm going to be the best version of myself no matter where I'm at, no matter what my status or my title is. And I'm going to be the best I can for anybody that I work with. And so I'm being honest. I'm not searching for anything. If something comes my way and God willing, you know, a door opens, not telling you I'm afraid of it. But, but it's nothing that I'm at home Googling right now at all. I just want to be the best I can to serve the kids in my ATP program, to serve my defensive linemen, to serve my family at home, you know, um, serve any close family friends that need, need me for anything. That's just where I'm at, man. Seems like you're at peace. I'm at peace. That's I'm going to stay at peace. <laughs> <laughs> and not, not pieces. He means peace. Peace. That's it, man. It's the only way you can live. So my last question is, when it's all said and done, and I, I like asking this question because I'm real curious about where people see themselves, where where they're going, and and it tells you a little bit of what they think about what their body of work has, has been thus far. But when it's all said and done, you know, and they could write something about you on your gravestone, how would you? What would you want them to write, and how would you? How would you like for them to remember you? I don't. Man, this is a tough one. Um, someone that worked in the dark. Um, helped as many people as he could, but didn't need didn't need any platform or didn't need any notoriety to do it. That's me, man. Like, I, I don't... I try to help as many people as I can, but a lot of people don't even know the work that I've done, and I don't, and I don't care. Those that I've helped know, 
And those people could write on my gravestone, he worked in the dark. That's me. That's nice. That's nice. Well, that's it for the for the show. Dale, welcome. Uh, thank you for uh, coming on the show finally. Um, I think it was a lot better than what you thought. I don't know, man. When I hear the playback, we'll see. We'll see. I'll do better on a round table or something. This is tough. <laughs> this is tough. Well, and if you, for those out there, if you want, if you want to know where you can catch Dell Hawkins at, at at his finest, you can uh, come on to the campus at Kerman High School <laughs> and uh, check in at the front office, of course, and catch him in his classroom doing his thing. Uh, catch him and his kids out in the farm area learning a trade, and also out at me and Ed's and. Blue Turtle and every other round, uh, table. round table and every yeah. other place that these kids are working at. He does a great job. You want to catch him on the football field next spring at Fresno City College. You guys get out there and not only support those kids, support what he's doing out there. And uh, he does a great job at it. And if you didn't know who Dell Hawkins was, well, now you know a little bit about him. So, again, thank you, Dell, for coming on the show. And that's a wrap. Thanks, Bob. Stay in my face, go with the I wish my racks out, shit rich.